Hi, welcome to the Agroup podcast. This was recorded at Tirbigail on a Sunday afternoon in the centre of Llandovery in the rural heart of Wales. And on this occasion, we were looking at lion taming for beginners. 1 Peter 5, 8 to 11. So we've had an interesting time sharing for prayer, right? And it's been an indication of the fact that, you know, we're involved in a spiritual battle, aren't we? It's like that every day. You get up and, and you know, life feels like a battle. And that's good. Because that's, that's, really that's really what's going on in this world. If you're sitting there getting up, you know, when you, when the, you just sort of roll over in bed in the morning and you're just sort of, oh, I'm bored. Can I bother to go to bed? What is going on? That is, not, <laughs> that is not the spiritual life, right? The point of the spiritual life is we're engaged with the world, just being knocked about. By the enemy of human souls and we're in there to turn back the darkness well he's there to turn back the darkness but we're kind of involved in the exercise that's how it goes 1 peter 5 8 to 11 what is happening is that peter is writing to a disparate group of believers they're all sorts and look around the room right we're all sorts isn't that great people who are being persecuted by a roman emperor who is an evil piece of work and Peter is right into those people, seeking to address the unacceptability of that emperor's government policies, because what he's doing is he's channeling discontent into hatred of vulnerable minorities, in this case Christians. His government is proving really unpopular, and he's picking on a minority and blaming them. And therefore the Christians are getting it in the neck. Do you see what's happening? And there's nothing that the innately cruel culture of the masses of that day loved quite so much as circuses if government was inadequate so bread was short circuses could do the trick in calming civic sentiment we're not talking trapeze artists we're talking picking on minorities and throwing people to lions for fun yeah or torching them for fun so combining providing an outlet for discontent by picking on a misunderstood, misrepresented minorities, by feeding that minority to lions and wine animals in the arena, it seemed like a genius solution to the Emperor Nero. But it didn't seem so good to the Christians that Peter's writing to. Because they were the persecuted minority. They were the ones taking the pressure and getting the grief. And it is to those scattered, persecuted Christians confronted with its brethren being sewn into animal skins, literally thrown to the lions as public entertainment, it is to them that Peter wrote. And here's what he wrote. Be alert and sober-minded. Keep Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What on earth's going on here? Peter? What are you saying? And we need to unpack what Peter's saying pretty carefully, because given the historical context, what was going on for the people that Peter is writing to, being thrown to lions in the arena, what Peter is saying for them is dynamite. Can you see the point? Mm -hmm. Let's look briefly at the two things Peter's calling for, then we'll home in on why that's the important thing to do. So, for the moment, look, just imagine you're on a safari in Africa. You're out in the bush, right? And and you've got the rangers with you, and they say, "Uh, there's wildlife all around us, right? And lions have been reported in the area. Okay. Be alert and sober-minded. 
because your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How, how are you going to be if you're in Africa in the bush on, on lion watch? You can sharpen up. Yeah? Sharpen up. You are not at a tea party. The wildlife is serious. Hey, believers, we are not in a tea party. Stop playing in church. This is serious. Better sharpen up and better stay smart. Gregoresita, says Peter. It's an imperative. It's a command. You do this. Gregoreo, to watch. It's a metaphor. Give strict attention to. Be cautious. Active. Take heed. In case through, through indolence, some destructive calamity overtakes you through lack of watchfulness, to lack of awareness of the situation. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around looking for somebody to devour. So look, no mysteries here. Keep a watch out is what you do for danger in lion country, right? Don't be stupid. Keep a watch. Be alert. But, whilst alert, panic is not in the interests of your safety. Does that make sense? Be sober-minded, he says. Be alert. But be sober-minded. Napesate, says Peter. Again, it's an imperative. Napo is to be sober, to be calm, to be collected in spirit, to be circumspect but dispassionate. Bring it down to the experience we know a bit more about you, just to illustrate. You're walking across a field. You're out on Stewart's Hill, right? You're somewhere near the middle of the field, and then suddenly a military helicopter soars up over the ridge of the hill in front of you, about 100 yards away, and 80 yards in front of it, over the hill, comes a bunch of bullying heifers. <laughs> they've seen the helicopter do, do, do you know what do you know what I, I cite you this I cite this example because I've been there okay it's happened to me boys it's happened to me and they're coming they are coming what are you going to do more than the equivalent of the lions <laughs> yes yes quite good yes quite good well given what we've been sharing for prayer about animals coming back down the race right? this is the reality be watchful, be alert, right? What are you going to do when those... You feel the ground. You, you, feel, you feel in your chest, you feel the helicopter, and then you feel the ground under those beasts, right? Those bullying heifers coming at you. And there's nothing... There's something about unreasonable about bullying heifers. I don't know what it is. They ain't seeing reason, right? What are you going to do? The best thing you can do is stand up together calmly and face them, giving them plenty of space to run to one side of you, doing it calmly. If you turn tail and run, you're not going to run faster than they are. And it ain't going to help you. Okay. <laughs> Calmly. That is the key to survival. And in this world, believer, the old enemy of souls pours an awful lot of stuff down the pipe at you. To panic you. And it's easier to say than to do. Calmly. That's the key to survival. You panic, you shout, you scream as you turn and try to outrun them. That is not a good idea. There's nowhere to duck down or behind, and you certainly will not be able to outrun those bullying efforts. Keep calm, sober mind. Better to die with an air of calm confidence if you're going to do that. Huh? Than in a panic, anyway. Now, seriously. When you're being prowled and intimidating noises are being made at you, says Peter, here are your two objectives as those who put their trust in the one true almighty living God. Be alert, stay heads up vigilant, and be calm and clear thinking as God has got this covered. Fear is the opposite of faith and is therefore not your friend. Did you get that? Fear is the opposite of faith and it is therefore not your friend. A somewhat appealing enemy, but not a friend. 
Funny how the enemy can be so appealing sometimes, isn't it? Right, says Peter. You've got an enemy, the devil. And he's prowling around like a roaring lion. He's looking for somebody to devour. Now be smart to it. Don't forget it. Be aware of the activity of the enemy of your soul because he's always switched on and he's always prowling around you. So be enemy aware. You believe in God? Of course you do. Well, actually, if you think about it, there seems to be an intelligence operating against you believing in God, doesn't there? And the, the way you get tempted, if you're a believer, right? You get tempted. Isn't there a, isn't there a terrible intelligence about it? It catches you where you're weakest. Catches you at your weakest point. And, and don't, you, don't you perceive an intelligence in the way that it, it, it operates around you and, and changes and moves as your situation changes and moves? So it catches you at the weak point? There's a personal enemy of your soul. Just as a personal friend of your soul. Alright? Be aware of the activity of the enemy of your souls because he's always switched on and he's always prowling around you, right? Yeah, there's, there's this verse in the Bible. It says, be alert, be of sober mind because you've got an enemy. And your enemy is the devil and he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to pick off. And you need to be aware of that. You'd be alert, but you need to be calm, sober-minded. And be aware that he's about the place. Just as God is about, he has an enemy who is about as well. Uh, as, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.10, uh, he's dealing with the situation. He says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Be alert. Don't be foolish. Be aware of what the enemy of your souls is up to. So here Peter is very alert to the situation and he counsels these persecuted Asian Christians that he's writing to to stay wise too. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Your enemy is not the lack of democracy in the heart of the Roman Empire. Your enemy is not a lack of justice at the heart of the Roman legal system. Your enemy is the devil here. <coughs> Antidikos humon diabolos. Antidikos, the one who comes against you. The one who comes at you. Adversary. See, your life has got a spiritual side. It's got a spiritual significance to it. There's stuff going on spiritually. It's not just the politics. And that life of yours is tied up with a great cosmic battle between not just light and darkness, those are simply metaphors for the deadly mortal personal combat of the devil and almighty God. That's the reality. And you need to view your experience of persecution, he's writing to these people, in the light of the supreme cosmic realities to which your daily experience relates. It happens because you've got an enemy. And you look at your life and you why is this happening? Let me tell you why it's happening, says Peter. It's because there's an enemy of your souls and he doesn't like you. It's me. <laughs> yes. So, says Peter, you need to be alert to that and you need to watch it. You need to be alert and you need not to be making knee-jerk responses, but be sober-minded. Because the enemy of souls, the devil, is a prowling and a roaring. Now, what's prowling? It's looking for an opportunity to bring you down, going around looking for a way in. Have you seen lions doing that? 
the weak point. <clears throat> looking for the weak point. Have you seen a fox going round a ewe with two lambs on it? Looking for the chance. Have you seen that? Just looking for the way she can get in. Have you seen that? Roaring. What's that? What, 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 why do lions... Why do they do that? I intimidate Right. Intimidate. The roaring is intimidating prey he can't take yet. But which he might get to take if he can intimidate you and get a fearful response from you. You've seen these films on the telly, I guess. Once the antelope turns his tail on the lion and runs, then the horns on the antelope are pointing in the opposite direction from the lion. So he roars to intimidate. Intimidate. And then the antelope turns round and the horns are pointing in the other way. There's only the soft bits at the back sticking out. Yeah? For the lion to jump on. The roaring is to get you to turn tail and run. So that the tender bits are presented, ready and waiting to be attacked alertness and awareness, sobriety, level-headed are, are, are the predispositions that, 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 that are the prerequisite of personal faithfulness, of steadfulness, of spiritual resilience. And Peter's saying, watch and keep a cool, faithful head because that's the way to not end up being that lion's dinner when he roars. Okay. Okay, you may... And this is a reality for those people Peter's writing to. You may end up a lion's dinner in the arena. But do not fear those who can kill your body and do nothing more. Fear rather he who can destroy your soul and your body in hell, because that would be serious. Be alert to that. Be sober-minded. Because not being those makes Christians vulnerable to a real and an ever-present threat. But look, you're not being mindful of these things so as to know which way to run. You're to be alert to this reality, says Peter, so that you can recognise and therefore resist what is being sent at you. Beyond lion watch, verse 8, standing your ground, verse 9. Standing your ground. The enemy is not to be appeased. Now, you know what we mean by that, don't you? You don't negotiate. You stand. See what he says? Having done everything, you stand, right? You stand. Has anybody got verse 9? Do you want to read that to us? Because my voice is getting a bit dull. Nice and loud, Dave, again. 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know your brothers throughout the world are going through the same sort of thing. The enemy is active, and the alternatives are capitulation, which is dismissed as unthinkable, or taking him on, standing up to him. Now look, the language here is not that of going out of your way to seek the enemy out and hunt down and destroy him by becoming preoccupied with him and his concerns. It's not the language of letting him set the agenda. It's the language of standing up to him when he comes at you. Going on doing what God has called us to do. Sticking to God's agenda and plan for life, for human life, yeah? Not to go around seeing, you know, demons under the bed. Right? Come across that? Get on doing what you've been told to do. And if he comes at you, it's far enough. Stand your ground. And it, it's personal. It, it, what, the, what the Greek says there is, whom resist? Resist him. He comes at you. Whom resist? Standing firm in the faith. Yeah? 
He's made it personal. He sees you and he sees you're a person opposed to him because you've become a soldier in the army of God and you're engaged in the cosmic warfare the enemy of souls has declared on Almighty God. You've signed up in God's service. It's not an impersonal matter. Resist him. You're standing up but you're not preoccupied by him. You're seeking not to concern yourself with him but to concern yourself with God and with God's agenda and plan and purposes and his calling to you. And that is your part in the war of God against the defeated foes, the enemy of souls. That is what you do to resist. Hello. Hello. Come in. Find a seat. Hello. Hello. So actually continuing to do and standing against and resisting any distraction from what God has called you to do that is your part in standing firm in the faith. It is the faith. Don't succumb, resist. How? By standing firm in the faith, says Peter. Standing your ground. Resist. Stand firm in the faith. Not in faith in general. Not in faith as a general principle. Oh, just have faith, right? The faith, says Peter. That is the truth of the faith that you have received in the gospel from God. Truth matters. Because the devil is the father of lies. This is where the truth matters. We stand firm in the faith. The temptation to abandon and modify and compromise the faith was going to be real for them and it's real for us. I did a little bit of reading um, for, for other reasons. I was, I was looking at the words of Seth Joshua. Have you heard of Seth Joshua? No, I haven't. You haven't? No. Never? No, never. You surprised me because I thought you would. So you haven't heard of Frank and Seth Joshua? Ah, great. Well, okay, so these guys were, um, they were right bruisers. They'd been a pair of lads uh, round about the turn of the century. And um, they were converted and they became leaders in what was called the Welsh Forward Movement, which led into the revival of 1904. And it was under the preaching of Seth Joshua that, uh, what's his name? Yeah, was converted in Newcastle Emlyn Way. Right. Now... <laughs> These guys were, they were rough lads and they were soundly and they were dramatically saved and it was terrific. And they were so used to God in the Welsh Forward Movement and that, that 1904 revival. But, but, but Seth Joshua, he said, from that point on, from me, it was neck or nothing. Do you understand what he's saying? You put your neck on the line for God and you go that way. For me, it was neck or nothing. Does that make sense? He was speaking about personal commitment to Christ and what that means. And he was involved in the roughest of guys and the roughest of areas and they were treated brutally and whatever, but they preached Christ because they loved Jesus and they loved the people they'd been sent to reach. Does that make sense? Neck or nothing. And those were times in the industrial centres as well as in the rural areas. You could easily get a very sound beating and have a very hard time for being a committed Christian. There were black and white times when black and white faith saw many black hearts dressed in heavenly white. And that's the way it is, isn't it? That's the way it is. Neck or nothing, followers of Jesus stood up. Stand firm in the faith. Not some sort of faith, the faith. People characterised by being those who were standing firm in the faith. But doing so, not doing so way out on your own. Because you're not on your own. That faith which is watching out for the attacks of the enemy of souls, that faith which stands your ground, it's in fellowship with people who are taking it in the neck themselves because they too are walking with God. Because you know 
that your brothers and sisters throughout the world, says Peter, are enduring the same kinds of sufferings. You stand up and you take it. You're part of a fellowship that shares the experience of the physical rigours of this warfare we're engaged in because we've signed up for Christ. It's a brotherhood. We chatted this week and I was trying to say, look, you know, you think church, right? But actually think family. We said that, didn't we? Your brotherhood. Your sisterhood. You know, your, your peoplehood. I, I haven't got a word. What's the word that is not gender specific? <laughs> All of us, right? Family, aren't we? Tribe. Yeah, got to be. Got to be, because that's, that's what it is in the book. And Peter says, look, stand up and do this, because, you know, stand your ground. Watch out for the, the attacks of the enemy of souls. Stand your ground, resist the enemy, stand firm in the faith and in the fellowship that it creates with one another. And if one part of the body hurts, hurt with them. Because that's what the kingdom of God's about. We need much more to grasp what it means to be the family of neck or nothing followers of Jesus. So here's an interesting question. If I were arrested tomorrow for preaching the gospel today, who would be ready to dive in and help my family, fearless of the perils that being associated with me would create for them and for their family? Well, I'd have to, wouldn't I? Well, you'd have to, because you're part of the family, <laughs> mate. You, you, you signed up. That's, that's just tough. You're in. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you've got to cop it. Okay, who's heard of Israel Falau? Yeah. You've heard of Israel Falau, because you keep up on the Australian news. And you, and you pick me up on social media. Israel Falau is an Australian rugby player. Right? And basically, he's, he's a neck-or-nothing follower of Jesus. And he put up on his Instagram page, basically what 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 says. If you are a drunkard, or a, an a, a adulterer, an idolater, or, or a homosexual offender, using the old, old translation, then you're going to hell. And you need to turn from sin and follow Jesus. And there's been such an absolute outcry... <clears throat> From the gay lobby. Mm -hmm. Who stood up with him? Oh, that other bloke. Uh, the English player, isn't it? Billy Vunapola. I'm not, I'm not big into football. So Rugby football. Billy Vunapola liked what he said. So Billy Vunapola's now in trouble with the authorities. Now, for the Australian guy, it's really tough because Australian rugby's in, mon in money trouble and Qantas... Uh, big supporters of the Australian rugby, not rugby union, what do they call it over there? Rugby Australia or something. Um, and, and so the Qantas guy, the guy who's CEO of Qantas, is a, um, a, a promoting homosexuality type of guy. So Qantas have said, to the, obviously said to the rugby union, we're not having this. And so Israel Falau has lost his job, he's been fired. Because he holds a Christian view of sin and the world there's no atheists have come back and, and criticised what he said about them there's no you know whatever it's, it's one part of what he said and that's been picked up and blown out which is what happens one part gets picked up always isn't it and nobody's picked up on the fact that what he was actually saying was listen Jesus is for everybody whatever you've been whatever you've been in the past so it's actually an inclusive message isn't it he's copying it and Billy Vinopola stood up and Billy Vinopola is now you know, going through the whole disciplinary process with the English Rugby Football Union. Guys, it creates a fellowship and we need to be part of that fellowship and not to worry about it. It's been a huge news story in the rugby world and the anti-Christian rhetoric has been bitter. And we've got to be ready for that. However much we do want to include people, and we do, right? 
because that's part of the deal. Whoever they are and whatever they've been. You know, Paul writes in that passage in 1 Corinthians 6 that got Israel um, fell out in trouble. He writes, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were, can't remember, by the Spirit of our God, right? The brethren and their testimony and their stance inspire us to stand too. That's what Peter's getting at. Watch out, the devil's about and he's looking out to have you. Stand your ground, resist standing firm in the faith and in the fellowship it creates. And then thirdly, do that in conscious reliance on God, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Let's be clear, the call of the gospel is not to an easy life. The call of the gospel is not to self-fulfillment. The call of the gospel is to do what's right and to be the man and the woman of God that you are called to be in a broken, fallen world. And it hurts, doesn't it? From time to time. It's not easy. You know, sometimes you've got to Christian up and be a man. Sometimes you've got to woman up and be a woman. No, that's not right. Christian up and be a woman. Are you, are you awake or are you asleep? <laughs> You're awake. Your face did change. Do you see the point? Because your enemy, the devil, is using and manipulating situations to catch you on a weak spot to undo and to break in a fallen world not to redeem and restore the well-being in this situation of persecution Peter writes to these suffering believers your well-being is the responsibility of almighty God and in pursuing the cause of God there is going to be no man no woman left behind in this battle now you can call me over or commend me as a Calvinist for this if you wish but I'm not picking that up the fact is Jesus loses none of his own and that's the fact. Whatever you want to call anybody else. He loses none of his own. It's not just Romans 8, 38 to 9 that says that. It's not just Philippians 1, 6 or 1 Corinthians 1, 8 that says that. It's John 6, 37 and 39. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of the one who sent me and this is the will of him who sent me get this that I shall lose none of all those he's given me but raise them up at the last day my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day through many troubles toils and snares I have already come John Newton I'm going home he says he's taking me home and it is definitely John ten twenty seven to 29 Jesus says my sheep listen to my voice I know them they follow me I give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand it doesn't say they'll all have an easy life come on the things we shared in this room today some of us are having a tough life and there's this temptation in the back of the head that says oh if I compromised here if I did this that there It'll be easier for me. Jesus says, hang on. You follow me. Nobody's going to pluck you out of my hand. If you follow me, I'll raise them up at the last day.
No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So Peter says in 1 Peter 5.10 The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you. Will himself make you strong and firm and steadfast. He himself will restore you. Whereas your experience of persecution seems to be destroying you. He himself will make you strong, whereas your persecution seems to be draining all strength out of you. Firm you will be. Steadfast you will be. Because God supplies the need and protects eternity for his people. And this is what we live for. This is the point in conclusion, and this is crucial. Verse 11. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. Now when when you when you're under pressure, you see, you want strength for yourself. Am I right? When you're under pressure yourself, you want to put yourself in a stronger position, is that correct? You try and get yourself there. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no. No, wrong approach. To him be the power. Because I stand by his power, not by mine. Have I said that in English? Does that make sense? Right, we're going to go there. Come back with that in a second. When I'm under pressure, I feel weak, correct? Yes. When I'm challenged and it seems too hard and I can't crack on, and Lord, what is going on here? I can't do this. I want in myself to get myself into a stronger position. Wrong. I need him to be in the strong position because, as Sheila was saying, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength, says God, is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, says Paul, I will all the more boast in my infirmities, that God's power might be made known through me. Here's where we begin to actually get there when the enemy assaults us and the onslaughts are too much. So when we stop trying to do this ourselves and we rely on him and his strength and his power and his glory, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. When you're persecuted and when you're harried and when you're dispossessed and you feel powerless, you're naturally inclined to go for more power yourself. But the security of your destiny lies with God. So you want the power to be with him. Yes, you're in a battle. Yes, there is an enemy of souls. He is always going to be too strong for you and for me. But he's certainly not too strong for God. So I don't want my strength to be greater. I want my strength to be in him. See the point? in him and I cope day by day in him um, a, a preacher I know um, <laughs> bless him many years ago he said this and you won't be able to track it and you won't know who it is uh, it's fine um, he said to me you know he'll be having a row with his wife right and he'll just be listening and she'll be going for it you know it could be the other way around this is not a sexist comment oh. it could be the other way around right but he put it like this he said, you know, you're in that position. And he said, she turns to me sometimes and she says, she stops in full flow and she says, you're praying, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, yeah. 
Lord, give me strength. Do you want to join me? Yeah. Yeah, do you want to join me? There are times in our relationships at the most basic and simple level. There are times in the most difficult circumstances of life when we're up against it, we can't deal with it. And it just feels like everything is being done that's against us because there is an intelligence, an evil intelligence that's chucking down the pipe at us. And we're not strong enough. In those moments we pray, and sometimes it's one word. Lord have mercy. We're not strong enough. To him be the power. To him be the glory. Forever and ever. The good news is that the power is not with us in our sinful hands. If power were in our sinful hands, we'd be in trouble forever and ever. But the good news is actually with him. And that it is going to be forever and ever. Right, so let's look at that passage again. <clears throat> be alert and of sober mind. Be on the watch. Keep a cool head. What's happening that's breaking your heart or damaging your life or beyond your resources to deal with it? Well, somewhere behind that we've got an enemy and the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Roaring to intimidate so he can get the upper hand so that he can find someone to devour and resist him. That's all. Standing firm in the faith, in fellowship with the family of believers throughout the world because we're all going through the same mill one way and another. Back each other up in the family of faith. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you. He will restore you. He will make you strong. He will make you firm. He will make you steadfast. You're going to him for that. To him be the power. Forever and ever. Amen. Well, that was serious stuff, and uh, these are the serious realities of, of life as a Christian in the world we've got. If this has raised any issues for you, or if you like prayer, just, just please feel free to contact us through the website. So you can send us a message there on the landing page. It says uh, contact there somewhere, and uh, you can contact us that way. We'd love to pray for you, and, and I just hope that somehow today, that today's podcast has been of some use and of some help and of some encouragement for you as you seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in a world that doesn't really thank you for that very much. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I hope you have a really good week. <laughs>